1: What's up, Central? How you guys doing? You look fantastic. Also want to give it up for all of our online live streamers, Florida, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Tennessee, Maryland. Church, give them a big hand. Thank you guys for joining us online. My name is Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here, but I want to give it up for your campus pastors. Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Aaron, you guys stand up. Make sure you introduce yourself to them. They look way better in in person, so uh, just remember that. Um, man, I have been uh, the last few weeks. I've been traveling quite a bit. Uh, I've been going. I've been, I've been to California. Been to Texas. Been to New Mexico. What a crazy world we live in right now. We're in the series called Stranger Things. How many of you know 2020 Stranger Year? <laughs> I, uh, I I want to encourage you to pray for the church, the Big C Church. Uh, I was just in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and while I was preaching there on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Uh, one of my good friends, Pastor Steve Smotherman, uh, was challenged by the government. The mayor and the governor said that they were going to arrest him for having church. And so I don't know what's going to happen this week, uh, this, this Sunday, which is today. Um, they're a couple hours behind us, but I texted him this morning just to encourage him. Um, because, you know, the government's trying to shut down church. They're trying to shut down everything. And uh, we're not going to stand for that as the body of Christ. Can I get an amen? And so that's why we're open. I want to make it very clear that we, we are, as a church, not going to shut down again. Uh, I'm not going to ever close the doors again. We're always going to be open no matter what. Um, if that means that Randy McCurry is going to have to pick me up in jail, then he'll, that's what he'll do. He can bail me out. Uh, I want to encourage you um, as your pastor to make sure you vote. Uh, pray before you vote. And vote your values as a believer. You have a responsibility as a Christian um, you have biblical values. You should have biblical values. Um, I, I don't vote what uh, my grandmother did or my mom did. I vote as a believer, and I vote my values. I don't vote for personalities. I vote for values. And so I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Um, I feel like as a pastor, as your spiritual leader, to make sure to, to encourage you to, number one, make sure you take an opportunity as a democracy Um, Pray, make sure you spend time in prayer, and then be a, a, a Christian. First, okay? Before you do anything, be a Christian. Uh, Because there's an all-out attack on that as believers. So uh, I just want to make sure you do that. Today, we're going to continue this series. i got a new message I want to preach to you today out of the book of Jonah. It's, It's called this. It's called, We All Have a Little Jonah in Us. We All Have a Little Jonah in Us. Jonah is a little book in the Old Testament. It's about four chapters. It's actually located in the prophetic section because it does involve prophecy. It is prophetic in nature, to you and I. Now, when you read it, you'll go, Well, it's just a story about Jonah. But we all have a little Jonah in us. Look at your neighbors say, You got a little Jonah in, it, in you. You got a little Jonah in you. Look at your other neighbors and say, I got a little Jonah in me. Got a little Jonah in me. I want to encourage you to read the entire book of Jonah. It's only four chapters, okay? Four chapters. You could probably knock it out this afternoon or just spend the whole week. Looking at it, because what the book of Jonah is all about is the process of change. How to um, really allow God to change you. And each chapter, you may want to write this down, I'll give you a little bit of a study guide to help you with it. This is not the message, this is free, okay? Don't worry, we're not going to receive any more offerings, this is just for free. Alright, so just four chapters. The first chapter is sometimes you heard enough that you need to change... Chapter 2 is you got to pray enough to want to change. Chapter 3 is obey enough to be able to change. And Chapter 4 is you mature enough to continue to change. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read all of Chapter 1. I don't normally do this, but I feel like it's important to get a good context. And then I'm going to preach out of just Chapter 1 today. Um, and it's called A Little Jonah in Us. I'm going to read chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, everybody say Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, some great names, isn't it? And found a ship going to Tarshish, that's right outside of uh, Statesville. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent a great wind, everybody say great wind, on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God. They started praying to all their gods, little g god. And through the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. That's not good. The, so the captain came to him and said, yo, what's up? What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God uh, will consider us so that, so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come us let us cast lots. Let's vote and see who actually is the one that's the troublemaker in this group. So they cast lots, and guess who the lot fell on? Jonah. And they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? Why did you cause this to happen to us? What is your occupation? What do you do for a living? Where do you come from? What's your country? What people are you? They were trying to figure out. They were, like, mad. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. And they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. I love all these words in this. It's great. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. How I many you know, he's just saying just throw me overboard. I wouldn't do that. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to throw him up. Who would want to be responsible for throwing Jonah into the ocean? So they just rode hard, but they could not for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, Now, so they went from praying to their gods to calling out to the Lord. And said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us, they were thinking about it, with innocent blood for you. For the Lord have chosen, had done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah. Come on, somebody. Threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord, this is where it gets strange had prepared a great fish. Everybody say, great fish. Great fish. Notice he talked about a great, si- a great city, a great wind, and a great fish. To swallow Jonah, and, the, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I believe he really got swallowed by a fish. How many of y'all believe that? I believe it. I believe there was a big old fish just waiting with his mouth open. And he didn't even get wet, just went right down into his belly. I want to give you five things real quickly to help you get out of being the Jonah that you are. Number one is it all begins with a word from God. All, everything in our life begins with a word from God. Look at verse 1 of Jonah 1.1. 1, 1. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. You know, I did a little research and I thought this was very interesting It says that God speaks 281 times in the Bible. God said 44 times. The Lord said 236 times. The Lord spoke 138 times. God spoke 13 times. That's 712 times that we see that God said something. In Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right? Then verse verse 2, it said, Then... God, what does it say? Said. It all starts. Every relationship should start with a word from God. Every decision that we make should start with a word from God. Matter of fact, as Christians, we shouldn't do anything without a word from God. But yet we still do it anyway. We still get out ahead of God. We think we're smarter than God. We think we can do more than God. And if we'll just wait, I promise you... I know this about every person in this room that God has a word for you. All you gotta do is search it out. All we have to do is just listen. You know, I live on a word from God. I would have never come to Charlotte if it wasn't for a word from God. There's no way. I mean, God spoke to us in 2001. Okay, that was 19 years ago. I'm just minding my own business, just had a great job, you know, got kids just trying to, you know, make a living. And God said, I want you to go to start a church. I'm like, no, I don't want to go start a church. There are crazy people in Charlotte. I, everything's going good. Now, listen, here's the thing. A lot of us wait for the promotion before we get the word. We wait. I wasn't a pastor then. Somebody think, well, you weren't a pastor and God told you to go start a church? Yeah, because he doesn't need to be me to be a pastor To go start a church, he can work all that stuff out. A lot of us are waiting for something to happen for us to obey the word of God. I love what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1. This is kind of the New Testament Genesis. This This is like the, you know, in the beginning, Genesis 1 1. Well, this is in the beginning, John 1 1. It says, In the beginning was the word. Now, what is God trying to do for us here? He's letting us know. That wherever there's a word from God, Jesus will always exist. It says, in the beginning was the word. He's he's connecting our relationship to God's word and our relationship with Jesus. God's word will always be included with Jesus. Jesus will always be included with God's word. You remove God's word, you remove Jesus. You remove Jesus, you remove God's word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Look at verse 3. All things, everybody say all things. All things, whatever you're wanting in your life, begins with a Word from God. Let me say it another way. Don't ever do anything without a Word from God. Don't move to a new city. Don't get married. Without a word from God, but he's cute. <laughs> Cuteness will wear off, I promise you. They don't stay cute forever. And all the married priests goes, Yeah, that's right. How did that happen? We got to tell them they're cute, but they ain't cute anymore. I'm just kidding. That's a, they're terrible. <laughs> That wears off real easy About after the first month when they left the toothbrush out and their underwear laying on the ground and they don't fold up the jeans like you expect them to and they don't put the shoes in the right place and they don't make the bed and they do the cinnamon roll in the bed, you know, they just turn over and over and pull, wake up and you don't have any covers on you anymore. I don't know why they do that. It's just ungodly. Don't, do in, don't move to another city without a word from God. Don't move to another church without a word from God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. If we need light in a situation, speak the word of God into it. Listen, if God said works for him God said works for us. So if you want change in a situation, speak the word into it. Speak the word into your marriage. Speak the word into your kids. Speak the word into your family. Speak the word into your business. Speak the word into your family. Look at your checkbook. And God said you will be prosperous. Just speak to it. Can I get an amen here today? You've got, you got to speak God's word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is talking specifically about Jesus. Remember, where the word of God exists, Jesus will always show up. He will always be there. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It all starts with the word from God. God's word is our protection. God's word is our direction. God's word is amply what we need in order to thrive and survive in, in the life that we live. Number two, if you want to write this down, is God will often ask you to do something you don't want to do. Come on, that's true, isn't it? I didn't want to move to Charlotte, but I had to. Rise, he said, go to Nineveh, that great city, and crowd against it for their wickedness had come up before me. Nineveh was a very um, ungodly city. It was created, it was built by a guy by the name of Nimrod. If you go back and you study church history, or just, not church history, but just history in general, Nimrod was the same guy who built the Tower of Babel. He was the leader who built it, and his desire was to touch heaven. His desire was not to uh, connect with God, his desire was to be God. Matter of fact, his name means rebellion. So you can imagine anything that a god by the name of rebellion would create would be rebellious. And so Nimrod was rebellious and he created a city. Nineveh was the, the capital city of Assyria. And it was wicked in every way. So wicked that cities would com- commit mass suicide in order to not be taken captive by Nineveh. So whole cities would kill themselves so they wouldn't be taken captive. That's pretty bad. So God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Now here's what's interesting to me about this. Because I think sometimes we write things off or write people off when God wants to extend mercy to them. Now, you know, when you look at, when you look at like a city like Nineveh, I think it's real easy to go, well, if they're so wicked, why didn't God just judge them and kill them all, just destroy it? But that's not how God works. God always gives them an opportunity to receive redemption and repentance. See, as Christians, our job is not to judge the world. Our job is to speak mercy into the world. Let me say that again. This is very key. Our job is not to judge the world. You can't expect the world to have the same values as you. So you can't judge them on the standard that you live by. If we start to judge the world, I'm talking about non-Christians, unbelievers, if we start to judge them based on our standard, you will get very frustrated, and it'll cause you to get upset. So when the Bible talks about judgment, or our role in judgment, our role in judgment is to judge each other according to the word of God. And the word judgment is sometimes misconstrued. Actually, the word judgment means to make a decision upon. So When the Bible says for us, for me to judge another Christian, I'm to make a decision about them and around them and to use the scripture, the truth, to help them see the light of the gospel so they can walk out their God-given plan and purpose. It's not to point the finger and tell them how bad of a Christian they are. That's what's happening all over social media right now. And by the way, social media is not even real it's not even real. Come on, let's be honest for a second. Okay, let's just think about it. Would that person really say that to your face? Never. Because you, you know, throw them off the boat. So they hide behind a keyboard, they hide behind a phone, and they make a statement that they would never stay to your face. So it's not real. It's not even real. And so we got to be careful that we don't get sucked into the vortex of that. And be Christians and live it out. So how do, you, how do you deal with it? Well, if you get sucked into it, just exit out of it. Remove yourself from it. If you get all frustrated about it, I laugh at it, honestly. I look at it, that's pretty funny. Like, you, your life is like that? Wow, that's pretty scary. I'm going to pray for you. And then they twist that. Like, they, oh, I can't believe you would say that. Well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? But they twist that as well. And so sometimes God's going to have you do something that you really don't Want to do. But I love the reality that God looks at a wicked nation and says, I want to send my prophet for redemption, which means that there's hope for anyone and anything. Now, here's the thing you have to answer, because we all have one. What is your Nineveh? What is the place that you don't want to go? Let me say it another way. What is the person that you don't want to deal with. Maybe Nineveh is the person who hurts you. That every time their name is mentioned, every time you think of them, all you can think about is the betrayal, the challenge. I've been through it. Man, in the last five years, I've invested time and energy in people and I mean finances and relationships and just investing and pulling out of their potential and helping them. And then next thing you know, you turn around and you got six knives sticking out of your back. And it hurts. I'm a human being, man. It hurts. Doesn't it? Doesn't it hurt when somebody stabs you in the back and you spend all this energy and effort? And then when their name is mentioned, you, you want to kill them. You don't want them forgiven. You want them taken out. Like fire and brimstone. Lord. Pour down fire and brimstone on them in Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But that's not our calling. Maybe that Nineveh is that person that you need to forgive and release. Well, it still hurts. Keep forgiving them. Because eventually, the pain will go away. But it only happens when you release them through forgiveness. Maybe Nineveh is giving. Maybe your Nineveh is your generosity. You keep hearing it over and over again. You need to start to tithe. You need to start to give. Well, I don't. That's my money. Why well, they always talk about money in church? You know, the people that get mad about people talking about money in church are the ones that don't give. It's the truth. They get really mad. I hear it all the time. Somebody will say, Oh, I brought my friend to church and they didn't like the fact that you talked about money. Well, you know, every other business in the world. Talks about money. They want your money. I want you to get blessed. And the only way for you to enter into a covenant with God is when you release your finances into the kingdom of God. Did you know that Jesus said it is, it is the simplest and ma- most base way to show your Christianity is your finances? Because it's easy. Quantify loving somebody you can't I love you well when I say it to you and you say it back to me we may have two totally different definitions of what love really looks like but when it comes to 10 percent, pretty easy I mean it's pretty simple 100 times point zero, one zero, $10. man that's easy God I'll take that plan any day of the week that's easy now you tell me that I need to love somebody Whew, that's hard because I don't even like them and so now you want me to love them? Are you following what I'm saying? So Jesus says the simplest and easiest way for you to demonstrate your Christianity first and foremost comes with your money. You think it's hard, but it's actually really easy. Because when you release it, you know what comes next after that? The ability to love people even better. That's really good, man. I'm, I'm preaching good today. Amen. I'm going amen myself. Nineveh may be the conversation you need to have. Nineveh may be a relationship you need to end. None of them may be a relationship you need to start. Listen, delayed obedience is still disobedience. A lot of people talk about maturity. The measure of maturity is the distance between the command of God and our obedience. The lag time. When God says do it, how long does it take for you to do it? A week, a month, a year, 5 years? Let's be honest, some of us are sitting in this room, God has spoken to us over and over and over to take that step, and you still haven't taken it. Your maturity has nothing to do with how much Bible you know, how well you can preach, how well you can pray, how many life groups you go to, how many times you go to church on the weekend. No, your maturity is measured by your faithfulness, by our faithfulness to the command of God, to the word of God. God gives us a word, will we obey it? Yes or no? So Jonah is given a word. Go to Nineveh. And you know what he says? I ain't going. Number three, number three, you can always find a ship going the other direction. Always. The enemy will always provide you with a way off the highway of God's plan for your life. Always. There's always going to be a ship waiting to take you to Tarshish. He wants he wants you to get as far as you can away from the plan of God for your life. I don't. I know there's something I know. I know about you. You have a plan. I don't know what it is. You have a plan. You have a purpose. I also know there's an enemy that's going to do everything he can to get you distracted from that plan of purpose. So he's going to use anything he can. He's going to use an offense to get you off track. He's going to use a person to get you off track. He's going to use a a pastor. You you come into an environment like this, and some of us just wait. They're like, I came from the last church, and that pastor, he wasn't very nice, and that leader wasn't nice, and and I'm just waiting for Pastor Troy to do something wrong. Well, guess what? I probably already did. (laughs) And I'm going to keep doing stuff wrong. I probably already made you mad by talking about politics at the beginning of the service. I'm going to keep making you mad. But listen. I'm not going to be there when you're standing in front of the throne of God. You're not going to be able to pull me up and go, it was his fault. That dang old pastor, he's the one that made me get off the will of God. No, you know who's going to hold you responsible for the will of God in your life? God's going to hold you responsible for it. Not me. That's what we want. We love that. That would be really easy, wouldn't it? For us to be, let, let me just line them up, God. These are all the people that are responsible for me not fulfilling my purpose in my life. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it was my parents. It was my sister. It was my boss. No, no, no. No. He's not going to pull any of those people because it's not their responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's up to you. Is this all right? Y'all doing okay? Somebody told me, somebody told me in between the service, y'all getting all about my business today. That's my job. Sometimes I need to get all up in your business a little bit. God will promote, um, the the devil will promote you right out of your destiny. This happens all the time. Listen, money does not equal God. More money does not always equal God. Matter of fact, the enemy will give you more money to not make a difference. He really will. He'll make sure. He'll give you a big old promotion. Say, oh, you can make this amount of money if you just won't make a difference. I've seen it happen over and over. Families will come to me and go, man, I got this great promotion. I'm supposed to move to the city. And here's my response. You better pray about it. Get a word from God. Well, what do you think? I'm not going to be responsible. They want me to answer for them. I'm not going to answer. I never do that. I've learned very early in my growth as a pastor, as a leader, I never make a decision for someone. Never. Don't ever do that. Because then you become the, blood, the, the scapegoat if something goes wrong. So I see them. They, they, they get all fired up. They go, oh, man, God must be in this. And they move to another city. Their family falls completely apart. And then they usually come back. Because you always go back to where you started. And they come back and they go, man, what did I do wrong? And I said, well, first of all, God forgives you. You can always get back on the right road. That's what's so great about God's mercy God giving us what we don't deserve. Thank God for his mercy. Come on. Because we all deserve hell, but he's given us heaven. And so you can always get right back, right back where you were. But there's always going to be a ship going in the other direction. It says this, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He was trying to leave the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. Listen, it will always cost you something going in the other direction. Always will cost you something. And went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I love what the psalmist said. He says, where can I go from your spirit? I think Jonah thought that God's arms only reached a certain distance. But God said, go, go, gadget arms. (laughs) He said, come on back in here, Noah. And you know what? It's much harder to run away from God than it is to run to God. Let me say that one more time. It's much more difficult to run from your destiny than it is to run to your destiny. You've got a call of God on your life. There is something that God wants you to do on this earth. And the more that you try to one away from it, the harder things are going to be. It's so difficult. You're going to face great winds. You're going to face great storms. You're going to continually see yourself over and over. So that's why the psalmist said, where, where can I go from your spirit? I can't, I, you keep showing up, God. No matter what city you go to, he's going to be there. No matter what relationship you find yourself in, he's going to show up. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Dang it, God. You keep showing up everywhere I am. That's because he wants your attention. He wants your affection. He wants you. You are so valuable to him. He loves you so much, he will bankrupt heaven for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. He cares for you. Number four, God will use anything to apprehend your attention. It says, but the Lord sent out a great wind. Everybody say great wind. So remember, he sent Jonah to a great city. Now he's got a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down in the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. The thing that's interesting about this is that our disobedience is really selfishness, because what we don't realize is that when I'm disobedient it affects everyone around me Jonah was on the ship trying to run from the presence of God and guess what happened he brought everybody on the ship into his disobedience and they were affected by it so don't be so presumptuous to think that we can make our own decisions and then not affect those around us it does your decisions affect the people that are in your life. Dad, your decision affects your marriage. Your decisions affect your kids. Mom, your decisions affect your marriage. Your decisions affect your kids. You know, the Bible, it talks about a generational blessing and a generational curse. Matter of fact, it says in Exodus, it says that God visits the iniquity of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. In other words, if we don't break the, the lineage, if we don't break the lineage of the curse, of the disobedience, whatever happens in the family will pass itself down. You, you know this. You see this happen in, in people's lives all the time. You see alcoholism in families, and it's just like their grandfather had it, their father had it, and just goes down the line, and next thing you know, you just see this, this rampant. Uh, spiritual influence that weaves itself through all the family. You can see it with sickness. That's what's called a spirit of infirmity. There's a big difference between sickness and a spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity is cancer that weaves itself all the way through the family lineage. But the verse also says that God extends mercy to a thousand generations. So he visits the iniquity to the third and the fourth generation... But he extends mercy to a thousand generations. This is why you and I, when we, be, when we get into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can draw a line in the concrete and say, no more, devil. No more. I can decide right now. I did this in my family. Because my family has a lineage of alcoholism, addiction. So I drew a line in the sand. I drew a line in the concrete and said, no more will this happen in my family. I got free from it, and it's no longer going to extend after me. So I created a legacy of God's blessing because I decided to remove that disobedience. So I repented not only for what I did growing up, but also for what my father did and his father. And I went back, and I just continued to extend repentance all the way through those generations. If you see in your family a familiarity of a spiritual lineage, you know what you can do right now? You can break the power of that curse. You say, you say, well, would God do that? No, no, no. Remember, what a curse is, is God's inability to get involved. A curse isn't God doing something to you. It's God being arrested from moving in your life. That's what a curse is. That's why, that's why when we talk about giving, it says that, that you will be cursed with a curse. Because you don't allow God to get involved in your life. That's what a curse is. It's God going, "I really want to get involved, but I can't because I can't bless sin. I can't move in disobedience." That's why when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't he didn't he never sinned. He became sin. And so God had to turn his back on his son because he could not be associated with sin anymore. And because of what Jesus did for you and me, he became a curse for us does it make sense okay it's not god people think a lot of people think that god's doing something to them no 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 that's not what a curse is a curse is going i can't get involved I'm, I'm unable to but you can break that for a thousand generations think about your kids 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 well i don't have any kids yet we'll start it right now in your life and break the power of it in jesus name amen that's good stuff right there. That's good teaching right there. Don't ever think your decisions don't affect those around you. Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Why did you do, why did you do it, Jonah? They groaned. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Okay, let me just take a time out right now. I'm almost done. If I hold up a piece of paper, a really good piece of paper, one of the things you'll notice on that piece of paper is what's what's called a watermark, right? Light shines through it, you can see a watermark. Every story in the Bible has a watermark. When you hold it up to the light of the Holy Spirit, you will always see a redemptive cord that weaves its way through every story in the Bible. It exists in every single story. Now, I know that if you're a Bible reader, if you understand scriptures, you know that Jonah was thrown into the belly of a fish. He was there how many days? Three Three days. Which is connected to who? Jesus being in the tomb for three days. But what people sometimes miss is there's also connection right here. And the connection is, Jonah was disobedient. There was this great wind that came on the sea. Because Jonah... Was running from God. And the Bible says that he went down into the, inside the ship. And he what? Fell asleep. They had to come down there and wake him up. Because the storm was overtaking the ship. Isn't that funny? There's another story just like that. Mark chapter 4. The disciples are going to the other side. And they're fighting a great windstorm. And the Bible says they're so nervous. These are fishermen, y'all. These are people that have grew up on the water their whole entire lives. They've existed on the water. They're fishermen. They faced every storm. And they're afraid. And where's Jesus? Asleep in the stern. Different in the case of these guys knew that it was God who was stopping them. The disciples went and woke up. Jesus, Jesus, we're dying, Jesus. Save us, Jesus. We're going to die out of here. Lord, and wake us up. You need to wake up. <laughs> he wakes up. What does he say? Man, you guys, you don't have any faith. Oh, ye of little faith. He goes up. He has a little Titanic moment. <laughs> he stands on the front of the ship. And what does he say? Peace be still and what happens the entire storm stops because they and then they go oh my gosh could this be god could this be the messiah they knew that it was god who was blocking them and the disciples finally realized that it was god in the boat with them there's the watermark there's the connection So where does this lead us? Here's the last thing I want you to write down. The belly is where we find the answers. The answer comes in Jesus. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish, great city, great wind, great fish, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And here's what happened in the fish. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of his fish. In other words... Sometimes we all have to have some belly time. Or my wife told me last night, make sure you say tummy time. Some of you ladies that have babies know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what that means, but she told me to say it. I said it. What does it mean, Stephanie? Baby. Baby on the belly. All right. Amen. (laughs) Got to have some belly time. You got to have some tummy time. In other words, God will often put us in a situation where all we can do is connect with him. All we can do is pray. All we can do is seek him. We we have no other options. And I believe that some of you today, even watching, some of you are in that position where you don't have any other options. You've been thrown off the boat and God's got you cornered in every side. And all you can do is pray. All you can do is pray. And so I want to close today with giving you a word from God. Every one of you a word. It comes from Jeremiah. And here's your word. Here's your word. Matter of fact, why don't you stand up and receive this word if you can. I want you to receive this today. This is God talking to you. I want you to receive this. Here's what he says first. I know what I'm doing. Do you believe that? Let me get it more resounding. I want, to, I want you to receive this today. Faith requires action. Sometimes that means, that's just why I get people to say stuff out of their mouth. You know, I get you to say stuff. is because the greatest faith you'll ever hear is what comes out of your own mouth. You say, well, man, you're a good preacher, Pastor Troy. yeah, but what comes out of your mouth, way more powerful faith building than my words. Sometimes, you know, I'm preaching to myself up here, by the way. I mean, y'all are here, part of the process, but I'm really preaching to myself. Because I need some faith. And when I say it out of my own mouth, I'm like, man, that's good. I'm going to listen to that. I need to hear that for my own life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So let me ask you again. Do you believe that God says, I know what I'm doing in your life? Do you believe that? you believe that? Because it, it's not going to get any easier. It's probably going to get more difficult. Do you believe he he knows what he's doing when it comes to your money, your marriage, your family, your job, your future, your destiny, your career, your relationships? He says, says, I have it all planned out. Do you believe that? You believe he's got it all planned out? Here's his plans for you, plans to take care of you. In other words, everything's going to be okay. You got a father who wants to take care of you not to abandon you I know you feel abandoned but he's the one that put the fish there in the first place he's the one that finally got you alone plans to give you a future you hoped for when you call on me this is God talking when you call on me when you come and pray to me I'm gonna hear you y'all believe God hears you every time you ask him every time you talk to him when you come looking for me you'll find me you believe that you believe that when you come looking for God you'll find him? Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, he will be there. Father, I just pray for every person here today. Every person listening online. God, I pray that they would hear a word from you. Maybe that word is get up. Maybe that word is get busy. Maybe that word is give. Maybe that word is reconcile. Maybe that word is hope. But I know, God, that it's all all framed up in Jesus, our Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, never never made a decision to follow him. Or maybe you knew him at one time, but listen, you... You got on a boat to Tarshish, you decided to go in the other direction. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm so thankful that you decided to come back home because you have a God who loves you and His arms of mercy are reaching out to you. And His word to you is, I I got you, I'll take care of you, I love you. You're worth so much to me. I'd love to pray for you today. If you're online, just let somebody know right there in the chat bar. But if you're in this room with me and you want to get your life right with God, I want to pray for you right now. If that's you, would you do me a favor? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you knew God at one time, but you want to rededicate your life, recommit your life. Would you just raise your hand as well? I want to pray for you as well. Thank you. Let's just all as a family, as a church family, would you just pray this out loud? Say it with your whole heart. Mean it from here, from your, from your soul. Just say this with me. Let's, let's all pray this out loud. Remember, faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Thank you, God for loving me so much valuing me so much that you have a plan for my life you have a purpose for my life and you sent Jesus for my life I believe he was raised from the dead so I could have a brand new life I'll worship you and I'll serve you all the days of my life in Jesus name and everybody shouted amen come on give God a big hand clap Come on, he's good.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.